Mac Power Users, episode 611, Unleashed Indeed. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined by my pal and yours, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. How are you today? I'm good, David. Uh, this is a day we've been waiting for for a long time. I am buzzing. I mean, you know, truth be told, we're recording this the day after the event. I am still buzzing. This event has me so jacked up. Yeah, it's it's super exciting. And for an event that was only really 50 minutes, I mean, it wasn't even an hour. Like so many ramifications. And we're going to talk through the announcements and what they mean and what we think. Um, uh, obviously, this episode's out a little bit early. So uh, we made a note of that last time, a little off the, the normal schedule because Apple's got all the stuff going on. But you know, the MacBook Pro is a, it's like the core of so many people's setups. You know, a lot of power users, a lot of aspiring power users, the MacBook Pro is like the default Mac for so many of us. And so uh, anytime it gets a lot of attention, it's well worth talking about. Yeah, but this is so much more than that. I mean, they announce new hardware every year and that's cool. And I, I love Apple hardware. Of course, we make the show. But it's not that often that you get this like leapfrog jump event for the technology. And, you know, this did start last year with the M1. But even back then we were saying, okay, this one is tuned for efficiency. What happens when they turn Apple Silicon into a power chip as opposed to an efficient chip. And I mean, the only thing I could think that it reminds me of um, in terms of Apple announcements is back when they announced the Intel switch and we all flipped out and went to order new Macs immediately. And I feel like this is that it also kind of reminds me of like the spinning drive to SSD transition where everything just gets better really fast and you don't get that very often. And and we've been waiting a year to hear the story. Like, okay, Apple, we know you can make this M1 chip that's very efficient and still, frankly, pretty powerful. But what happens if you decide to make a powerful chip? Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, we're not going to get a jump like this for many years. You know, it could be 10 years before we get something like this again. And, I don't know, I, it's like I do like to stop and reflect on this stuff. And... This is a big moment. I mean, the M2 Pro chip is going to be faster than the M1 Pro chip, but it is not going to be the jump that we just saw yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 totally wild. Uh, we do have some other stuff to, 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 to talk through. Before we get there, though, uh, I think we're going to go roughly in order of the event on more power users today, which uh, if you're not signed up for more power users, you can, you can do that at relay.fm slash MPU. There's a couple links on the page for a monthly or annual subscription. Uh, it is a longer ad-free version of the show. And this week we're going to talk about kind of what we think is left in the Apple Silicon transition. Some of our thoughts about what may be coming next. You know, Tim Cook, he kind of put a stake in the ground because there's been yeah. debate in the community of like, when does the two-year transition start? And he said, we're yeah. a year into it. So I think they view this as, you know, we're at the middle point, so it's a good time, I think, to to stop and kind of think about what could be what could be next. We'll be doing that today in the uh, more power user segment. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. But uh, let's talk about what happened. And uh, and to begin with, it was not just about Max. It was also about audio. I initially thought this pairing was a, a little bit weird because the AirPods and Apple Music, which were the the bulk of this announcement, 
those are really sort of I view them more of as like iPhone things. But I think Tim Cook and, and Apple, you know, they, they say this all the time, you know, that music is really like at the heart of the company. That goes back, of course, to the Steve Jobs days, something he said as well. And so I I am kind of cool with music and uh, and Max being together, especially after that amazing opening video, which. Yeah. David, if if they yeah, had just, I mean. <laughs> if Tim Cook had just gotten on stage after that and said, have a nice day, everyone, I would have been okay because that video was yeah. awesome. What did you think of it? That video was made for, it was made for you. I, I was thinking about you the whole time I'm watching it. You know, the, they had the, you know, all the classic Apple hardware. They had, they had, you know, they had MagSafe in it. They had, uh, you know, the, uh, the original iMac and all those, that great hardware. And I was thinking Steven probably owns one of all of these. You could, you could recreate that event. I think I could, I could, um, I don't have, you know, the timing of a musician as I've been told, uh, while counting yeah. in to record for the episodes. Yeah. You, you, you definitely don't. We got to work on that. I'm going to buy you a uh, metronome, but we you can know, use that. Yeah. Uh, I, I I just don't know who has a pro display XDR set up in the garage. I mean, this person does. Yeah. But my word, <laughs> this video, it's in the show notes. It's called Startup, yeah. a song made from 45 years of Apple sounds. It was, I, I just had the biggest smile on my face. Yeah, I, I made fun of that pro display XDR in the Indie Musicians Garage in my post about this. And um, somebody emailed me this morning and said that was there was also like a $4,000 piece of recording equipment in there. So, <laughs> the, you know. And the washer and dryer <laughs> said looked pretty the, nice. I mean. Yeah, as I said in the post, I know why there's not a car in that garage, you know. <laughs> the, uh, but, they can't afford it. They bought too many Exactly. <laughs> they sold it. They sold it. But the uh, – but I have thoughts on on external screens and stuff. We're going to get to that later. But I I did think that was fun. And honestly, I I always really like the Apple entry videos. I think they they just do a great job of it. But this one really stood out to me. Like the one where they had Tim Cook turning into the you know Mission Impossible. That was a little like I don't know. It was just dorky to me. Um, where but this one it felt like kind of Apple roots. It almost looked like the original steve jobs garage and i'm sure that was not a mistake either yeah i think they wanted to to have that wink in there to those of us who knew but as to the this event this weird pairing of um you know high-end apple silicon macbook pro and audio stuff i i equate this event to kind of like the uh the island of lost toys um event do you remember uh rudolph the red-nosed reindeer did you ever watch that when you were a kid of course, yeah. We we watch it yeah. every year with our kids now. It's a classic. And just really quick, is is it just me or Santa Claus a jerk in that movie? I just think uh, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, he's a little bit of a jerk. Yeah. I mean yeah. he's he's not very nice to, to to his employees. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, but the, anyway, so they have this, it's called the Island of Last Toys in this little event. It's in a, if you're from outside of America, this is probably something you never heard of. But halfway through the show, they, they find this island of all these lost toys that need homes. And this is the pandemic Island of Last Toys. I mean, they wanted to get these MacBook Pros out earlier. I'm convinced. You know, I think that they, like, WWDC would have been perfect for this announcement. You know, or, you know all the developers would have gone crazy. And same thing, you keep hearing about these AirPods 3, and like there's all these things that got delayed for one reason or another. We'll never know the story, or we won't hear it for 20 years until somebody from Apple writes a book, but everything got delayed. And suddenly they just had these lost toys, and they're like, hey, we'll just put them all together. I mean, 
people like you and me are going to say, oh, that was so smart the way they pair these together. But it really, I think it's just, okay, guys, we got this leftover stuff. Let's mm-hmm. do it in October. Yeah. They definitely don't want to do it on top of an iPhone announcement because that's where the bread is buttered for the whole company. Yeah, and you don't want to have two events and then like shoot some AirPods out in a press release two days later, right? Like you already have people's yeah. attention. Just clear the decks. And I do think Apple's done for the year in terms of announcements. I don't foresee anything yeah, else. Me too. Me too. Well, either way, uh, we did get some some music slash audio announcements. Um, you want to start with the AirPods 3? Yeah, so these are um, a new generation of the you know the standard AirPods. They look like AirPods Pro, so they have the shorter stem, uh, but they do not have the rubber tips. And so it's like the regular AirPods in terms of it's just like a hard plastic piece. And if it fits in your ear, great. And if not, um, so sorry. They fit really well for me, the, the AirPods 2 uh, do. In fact, I don't own a pair of AirPods Pro. I prefer the... Uh, the second generation design. Um, but they look like the pros and um, they do have spatial audio support, but they do not have active noise cancellation. So they kind of got a little closer to the the AirPods Pro in terms of features, but not not all the way there. I think they're still obviously two really different products. Um, and the old AirPods, the AirPods second generation are still around. You can pick them up for 129 now. So if you're looking to get into the AirPods world for the first time or looking at them for a gift, and I think AirPods make really nice gifts, uh, the AirPods 2 are cheaper than ever. Yeah, I actually prefer the fit of the standard AirPods over the AirPods Pro. And I really, you know, use the heck out of them. I use the AirPods Pro when I'm traveling or when I'm out of the house. Uh, because, you know, the noise canceling is great, but I don't, I don't need it in the house. And the other ones stay in my ear a lot better. That's my fear, honestly. These will these fit okay? I mean, I think it's just it's a very selfish thing. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody's got a different ear. But uh, I ordered a pair because I'm just super curious to see how well they fit me. And uh, if they don't fit me, I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to like you know, you know, stock up on the old ones before <laughs> they stop selling them. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think the old ones will be around for a while. I think getting that price down is key to world AirPod domination. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I actually just recently uh, left my right AirPod in a pair of bike shorts and then they got washed and dried. And so the right one's dead. Uh, So I've been like (laughs) going around with just a left one. Uh, Yeah. But I, uh, I ordered a set as well uh, and I'm looking forward to getting them. They come in next week and, I'm hopeful that they'll fit as well as the twos did. And I can just uh, move on with my AirPod life without, you know, becoming a hoarder for the yeah, old there's, there's a simple rule, Steven, the AirPod, there's only two places an AirPod can, can exist in your ear or in the case. I know. No, it was a, it was a rookie move. It really was. The, uh, I did read that the spatial audio is going to drain the battery faster. Like, and if you're not into spatial audio, you can turn that off and actually get even more battery life out of them. I mean, I think that makes sense because it's like tracking your yeah. head movement and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not too surprised. Well, I mean, it's, it's compute power and it's got a tiny, tiny battery in there. So uh, everything matters. The other thing that I really like about this new, I, I really hope they fit me well, because I like the smaller stem and I really like that you can now um, turn them off and on and adjust them with a pinch you know, it's just like the AirPods Pro have the thing where you, 
you reach up and you pinch them rather than smack the side of your head. And mm-hmm. I've, I've never been a fan of that, you know? And uh, so I, I feel like that that's a nice improvement too. Oh, the HomePod mini also got some time for a minute. I thought they were setting us up for the, a new full-size HomePod. Cause they're like the HomePod mini yeah, is great. Too. And I'm just, just waiting like, and now we have the big one again, but they don't. Basically, this is just uh, an addition of some color, so they still exist in white and the space gray, but now you can get them in blue, yellow, and orange as well. Uh, those the, the new colors are coming next month. This makes a ton of sense to me if your home is decorated such a way, or maybe you're in a dorm and you want your school color. Like This is great. The HomePod Mini should be colorful. There should be more colors in this. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, can I just say... And we'll put a pin in this. All Apple products should be more colorful, Stephen. Yes. Just the HomePod Mini. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but other than that, I think the HomePod Mini is is effectively the same. They talked about some of the software updates it got, but the it's still the HomePod Mini as we've known and loved. And uh, you know, I've got one and have been really pleased with it. Now, how long has it been now that the the HomePod non Mini HomePod has been end of life? It's over a year, isn't it? It's right around, it's got to be like right around a year. And then they sort of were on sale for a while until they ran out, um, <laughs> which took a long time. So, yeah. that, you know, I think they're all like officially gone now, but it, it was a slow, painful death. Yeah. I, I hope they have an answer for that. I feel like mini should not be the only home pod. And uh, no. my guess is they need to get it to a lower price point. That I, I bet the next version of HomePod is maybe a bigger ball and sounds better, but doesn't have quite as much technology as the first one did. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, Apple Music. The um, you are an Apple Music subscriber, right? I am. Yep. Yeah, me too. We got in on the family plan. I, I mean, I really fifteen bucks a month. That is a great deal for my family because we all like music and we're all constantly downloading stuff, but. They um they have even a better deal now. Um, for five dollars you get what they call voice only Apple Music, and it it runs from your devices, and you're using Siri as the interface to play music. Yeah, it means you don't yeah you, know, you don't you don't get playlists, you don't get the screen to look at, but yeah, you use your voice, and you don't get downloaded tracks. Uh, I have a, a link in the show notes. Uh, I had a blog post where I captured the table apple published uh showing the differences i think a lot of people looked at this and like didn't quite understand it but if you've used the amazon family of products they have a a flavor of amazon music that is basically this where you pay a very you know a smaller amount compared to normal and you get basically access to the whole library it's just not your library right you just tell it what you want to hear and I think uh, it's a great way in. It's four ninety nine a month. Um, by the way, and I wanted to use this as a reminder to people because I don't think we talk about it enough. Apple has a student plan for Apple Music that's also four ninety nine a month. So if you're a student or have a, I don't know what the requirements are. I think you have to have a .edu email address or something. Uh, you should look at that because that's five bucks a month is a lot better than the individual plan at ten and has all the same features. Yeah, you get the whole enchilada for five instead yeah. of just this. I do think this may have like the fundamental problem that I think that Amazon music plan has like, are you buying a home pod without already being an Apple music user? Like I just, I just don't know who this is 
for who it's supposed to entice. I'll be very curious to see if, you know, if Apple talks about it in the future about how successful it's been, because really what it's competing against is the free tier of Spotify, which has ads in it. But then you can also like use the app and have a user interface. Apple's not going to have an ad ad supported version of Apple Music. In fact, on the web page, it very proudly says stream ad free music. So this is like in a very interesting corner of the market. They're approaching it differently than others. Not quite like Amazon, not quite like Spotify. And so we'll see how this how this goes. Uh, it's also coming next month, and you can even like sign up with your voice, which is pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting. I definitely didn't see it coming, but I think it probably makes sense in the overall strategy. I uh, I am not a fan of this. I am. Um... I started after the announcement yesterday because I do have a home pod in my studio and I play music in it all day. But my workflow is to, you know, I have playlists on music app on my Mac and I just stream it to the home pod. So then the play controls on my keyboard control the home pod as well. You know, phone call comes in, I can pause it very easily, all that. Um, but I decided, okay, I'm going to spend a couple days just calling out music with my voice to the home pod. And the hit rate is probably about 60% accurate, which is not good enough. You know, I mean, it's when, when you call out a song with your voice, you want to hear the song. And it's not like I'll ask for, you know, New York, New York, and it'll give me the Sinatra version instead of the, you know, the Count Basie version or whatever. It just, it just gets the wrong song entirely like it seems like there's no relationship and Mm. it skews really heavily toward pop music and i listen to a lot of creaky old jazz music right so it just doesn't want me to listen to that it just keeps trying to put me into pop music and i guess it's like it's deciding if i'm not really sure between two songs whichever song is the more popular is the one i'll play but i don't even understand how it's confused between two songs that don't sound anything alike and um yeah i'm just not that impressed with it and my fear you know siri i think has a lot of potential and i know apple keeps putting money and buying you know hiring people from google and getting you know top people working on it and uh, i do think that there is a point where it gets a lot more useful um you know just to give a shout out voice to text is really good now and i've been doing a lot of dictation in Monterey with uh with Siri with Siri that's that's just outstanding. But for whatever reason, the home pod cannot get the song right. <laughs> and so people are gonna pay five bucks a month and every time they try to tell their device to play a song, it's gonna play something else. I don't know. I'm not sure what the what the result of that is, but I don't think you're gonna have a lot of Siri fans when this is over. Hmm. That'll be interesting to to keep up with. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You know, if you're listening or Steven, maybe you should just try it a bit and see. Maybe it's just my pronunciation or I don't know. It, I think I have an eclectic music taste and I think that is part of the problem. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you think that Siri would be good enough where it's like agnostic about that sort of thing, but maybe it's not. You know, maybe it's data set around the music you want is not as robust as it should be. The other thing they announced about music that I'm really excited about is better playlists. I mean, um, before Apple bought Beats Music, I was a subscriber because I really liked the the human curated playlist that Beats had, and they had a lot of playlists for really weird, you know, situations. And 
And it seems like Apple's kind of leaning back into that, like, you know, a playlist for a hike, maybe a playlist for cooking or whatever. And um, I am curious to see how that comes out because I, I would like to have, you know, access to that again. Yeah. Beats had this, had this really cool thing where you could like give it a, like you filled in a sentence. So it's like, I am dancing and I feel sad and it would do some magic and pull songs that, you know, do a playlist like that. And it's not quite that level, but I'm very curious about how open-ended this is. Like, can I just, like, how many things could I throw at Siri and it figure out a playlist? Uh, I'm not really a big playlist person, but I know a lot of people who are. And I think if you're sort of into the Pandora version of listening to music, you know, where you pick a song or a genre and it goes from there. You know, this isn't a direct competitor to that, but it may be the closest thing Apple Music has right now. And if that's the sort of music listening you like, I think this is going to be fantastic for you. Yeah, I'm big on playlists and I'm I'm looking forward to this feature. But they also do have kind of the radio station feature now where if you've got an artist or a song you like, it puts together a playlist around that, which is similar to, I think, what Pandora has. But yeah, I, I think the more effort you put into this, and if I understood the announcement correctly, these are human curated playlists, not computer algorithms and in general, I find that the human playlists are better than the computer playlists. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps to get 20% off your family plan. Now, you've heard about 1Password before. It's the password application both Stephen and I use. We love it because it's simple to use, but very secure. Another reason we love it is because they just keep adding features, and we just saw that last week with the newest release of 1Password's ability to easily share items. Now 1Password customers can securely share virtually anything in their 1Password vault with anyone, even if the recipient doesn't use 1Password. With this new feature, you can create a secure link to any password in your account and share it with anyone whether or not they're a 1Password customer. You can also set who gets access to that link. They can, for instance, have to have come from a specific email, and you can set how long that link will exist. You can even set it that after someone visits that link once, it automatically deletes itself. It's as easy as copy and paste, but way more secure than pasting a password into your messages app or some other location where someone else could read it. It's awesome. Sharing items from your secure vault has always been a challenge, and now 1Password has made that just ridiculously easy with this new feature. In addition to making it easy, it's also fully transparent to you, the 1Password user. There's an activity log with the name of the shared item, who shared the item along with their IP address, and the date and time the item was shared. The gang at 1Password really thought this through and implemented it in the best way I've ever seen for sharing secure information. As soon as I read about it, I started using it immediately, and now I can't imagine going back. And that's just one feature you get with your 1Password subscription. To learn more, head over to onepasswordcom MPU, put that in all caps so you get that 20% off, and start securing your passwords and doing safe sharing of your confidential information today. Thank you, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. So the, the, the structure of the rest of this event was, was really interesting. We got a dive into the new processors 
And then we saw the products they were going in. And I just thought that was really, actually really interesting because sometimes you, know, you would think, oh, there's new laptops. Uh, let's, let's talk about them and then talk about the system on a chip. But I do think it's Apple wanting to tell the bigger story of Apple Silicon. And uh, yeah. and so I think that's that's pretty interesting. So we have... Yeah, that that's really unusual for Apple. I mean, if you look at the Apple event, there's a formula. You know, here's the new iPhone you know, iPhone, you know, whatever number. And then they start talking about features and they show you what it looks like. And at some point they say, and it's driven by the A whatever chip. Right. And then they go into the labs and they talk about the A chip, whatever the new series is. But but in this case, they gave the chip its own segment of the uh, of the yeah. keynote. Yeah, the thing it really reminded me of <laughs> was when they introduced the Power Mac G5, like in 2003, they did yeah. a similar thing where it's like, we're talking about the chip and then the system. So there's like graphics of like, you know, little bits flying around between the CPU and the RAM and the disks. And then we're going to talk about the computer it's going to go in. And it was kind of the same thing. And I don't know. I thought it was interesting. It definitely stood out compared to previous events. And uh, I think it's just like Apple flexing all over the place. Because as we get into this, it is such. Uh, such a jump over where not only Apple has been, but really from where anywhere has been, anyone has been. Yeah. It, it's really mind-blowing. No, I, I think this is exactly the way they should have done it, but I think when we get to the next iteration, the you know M2 Pro, you're not going to see this again. I mean, they're going to make it a part of discussion in the context of a new laptop because yeah. this is the big jump, you know, and we needed to stop and, and appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Just like I said at the top of the show, I, I really think this this whole keynote, the biggest news is by far this chip more than it is, you know, the HDMI port going back into the MacBook Pro, which I know will make a lot of our listeners very happy. Yeah. So we have two new members of the M1 family. Now, Apple says these are extensions. They're based on the technology of the M1. How closely related they are, you know, I think we will learn as these things trickle out into the world. But they're definitely much bigger and more powerful and take more power than the M1. Uh, so we have, first we have the M1 Pro, which is uh, both the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. They're really a couple of different SKUs within each bucket if you will so the m1 pro you can have either eight or ten cores uh two of which will be the high efficiency cores so like things in the background run on those and then you have your uh, high performance cores that are you know doing the heavy lifting of transcoding audio and running photoshop filters and you know the the things you think about heavy workloads yeah the the gpu story i think is is more interesting i mean the the CPU basically is them scaling up, I think, where they've been with the M1. So on the M1 Pro, you can get a 14 or 16 core GPU. But on the M1 Max, you can do 24 or 32 core GPU, which is un- it is just unbelievable that they've been able to jump this far and and what they have shown as far as numbers, and you know, we're recording this before third-party benchmarks are out, and you know, this will get in the hand of hands of really techie people, and they'll do testing to verify Apple's claims. But Apple's basically saying, hey, we're in the ballpark of the highest of high-end 
PC laptops. You know, this isn't a GPU that's going to compete necessarily head to head against something like the NVIDIA 3080 or, you know, which is like a high end desktop card. But in the realm of notebooks, they say, you know, we're at the top of the pack in terms of not only performance, but more importantly, performance per watt. So you can do this while on battery without killing your battery really quickly. Yeah. So let me just back up a little bit. Um, so it's the M1 Pro, which is, you know, the the fancy one and the M1 Max, which is the super fancy one. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the M1 Max, and Rosemary Orchard made this comment to me, which I totally agree with. The name M1 Max is so damn confusing. Because like when you started describing earlier, the M1 Max does this. I was thinking the M1 MACS. I know, you know it's bad. The M the one on my desk right now oh it does this the m1 max has 32 cores well no it actually has eight you know so i i don't really understand the name either but but i think a good way to think about the the graphics performance of these is really simple it's all multiples of eight the m1 mm-hmm. has eight core the m1 pro has 16 and the uh, m1 max max has 32 so you're doubling at each level the M1 Max has four times the graphics power of the M1 Mac. <laughs> yeah, it's it's which is already like an amazing machine as we've talked about for the last year. Yeah, it's totally adequate. I mean, th- I mean, you and I are going to talk later about what we bought, but the fact is, honestly, my M1 Mac has been rendering 4K video and screencasts like a champ. I mean, the computer I have is good enough. The uh... don't don't. Uh, don't do not send that part to my wife please. no it's fine yeah it's just between us there's no one no one listening yeah um everyone out there to keep david's secret uh yes the other difference is the amount of unified memory so we spoke about this a year ago but these machines are different you know on the traditional x86 side you have ram for your cpu and then you have memory for your gpu and data can be transferred between them but it's it's two different pools of of memory effectively and yeah. now with the um the apple silicon they they're using unified memory so it's one pool of memory that that cpu and gpu can pull from and put data to it makes it much faster in fact the memory bandwidth that apple is claiming here is basically as faster or faster than anything else on the market uh, on the GPU side, which is very impressive. Uh, you can do 16 or 32 gigabytes of unified memory on the M1 Pro. So finally breaking past the 16 gigabyte barrier that the M1 had. Yeah. And the M1 Max can go 32 or 64 gigabytes of unified memory. So you can just go wild with with memory on the M1 Max, M-A-X. Yeah, I know. I- Okay, let's just agree that we are not going to use the term M1 Max, the plural of M1s, for the rest of the show. So anytime we say M1 Max, we're talking about the fancy new chip. It's so, yeah. And maybe some people can pronounce those words differently. I'm from Tennessee and cannot pronounce them differently. Like, Well, I'm from California and I can't either, so I'm yeah, not sure Okay, so could. maybe, I don't know, maybe someone can, but we certainly can't. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, this is this is very impressive. It really is... What I was hoping for was to see Apple like really show what they could do in a system that isn't as thin and as light as a MacBook Air. You know, we're going to talk about it, but these MacBook Pros are thicker and heavier a little bit. Yeah. 
of their from their previous generation. They have much better cooling yep. systems. And if this is what they can do and still a thin and light laptop, like my word, what is it going to do in a desktop? Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to the after show about because that is a good question. Like, can you see the trend? One had eight, then one had 16, mm-hmm. then one has 32. I mean, what's next? But the um, the other thing that you were talking about memory bandwidth, the M1 Max has double the memory bandwidth of the M1 Pro. Yeah. And I, I'm sure the the folks on YouTube that do the testing are going to come with much better numbers once these things start hitting the wild. But I think that you can bank on um, that the M1 Pro is about double the speed of the M1 and the M1 Max is about double the speed of the M1 Pro. So, you know, depending, you know, you got to choose how much power you want to pay for. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's some other trade-offs we'll get into with the show. But, yeah, man, this is what I wanted. I mean, this is – I just wanted to see, what if you took Apple Silicon and you added a fan to it? Because that has never happened before. I mean, with the exception of the MacBook Pro on the original M1, which was kind of a – that's just not – that doesn't really count. But, you know, we've never had iPhones, iPads, or M1 Macs generally with fans. So what if they took seriously a cooling system – yeah. How much could they crank things up? And that's what we got the answer to. This, yeah. like, this is what I was so excited about. <laughs> and yet at the same time, they said, you know, for most day-to-day things, the fans even aren't, aren't even going to come on. <laughs> what are you doing? It's, it's unreal. unreal. And that's one of the things I want to point out, because I've got a bunch of email from listeners saying, hey, I'm afraid to buy one of these. I think the battery life is going to be terrible. And I'm like, you, you guys aren't getting it. This thing has got two efficiency cores, and the new efficiency cores are better than the old ones. So it's only going to use as much, it's only going to use as many of those horses as it needs, right? And if you're doing email and stuff, none of this, uh, none of these extra chips are going to be working. You know, it's just going to do the stuff on the efficiency cores and it's not going to bring in the power until you need it. And it's just got extra gears that the M1 doesn't have, but generally your battery life, I think is going to be pretty good. Yeah, and Apple says it's going to be good. In fact, the 16 has the best quoted battery life of any Mac notebook ever. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about battery life. I think you you can worry about weight and like it's bigger and heavier and all that. I get that. But I think in terms of, you know, getting this thing to work without a without being plugged in, I think you're going to be fine. Uh, a couple other things I just wanted to touch on in talking about the, uh, the processor options here. Uh, Apple really honed in on that, hey, we're, doing all the all these powerful things consuming way less power than yeah. other PC laptops and that's where you get that battery life from you know that that's that's why you can have a machine this powerful that you can even run on battery at all a lot of like PC gaming laptops which i'm just fascinated with as a genre cuz they're all bonkers it's totally bonkers yeah. yeah a lot of them have two power supplies and some features or some performance is not available on battery or even just one power supply. You need both. And Apple's saying, we are in the ballpark of those machines while on battery power, while on in a machine that's much thinner and lighter. And it really shows you know, the benefits of, of this architecture they're using. Yeah, I did a project last year for a, an independent software developer where they asked me to do their screencasting for them but it was a windows thing. And uh, I said, that's fine, but I don't really want to run bootcamp because I was on M1 at the time. And they said, fine, 
you know, here's a budget, go buy a Windows laptop. And when you're done, just send it to us. You know, they, so I, I bought them a laptop that I used for a month and, um, I wanted to get something with graphics horsepower. So I bought a gaming laptop and I got it from the Microsoft store. Well, actually the online store and the, it was like $1,800. So it wasn't like MacBook pro price, but it was sold as a gaming laptop. And I was shocked. I mean, right out of the box, the thing was out of battery in like two hours. Yeah. And that's just the way they work because they've got those big, heavy video cards always chugging away underneath. And and I think this kind of gets back to the point I was making earlier is, is that, you know, Apple has been making these Apple Silicon chips. And from the very beginning, the destination for the chip was the iPhone and the iPad. It was a device that people needed to keep in their pocket or, or mobile. And Apple knew that their users were not going to be keeping it plugged into power very often. I mean, ideally, you would plug it into power when you go to bed and, and never else. So that's kind of baked into the DNA of these chips, and they're very good at prioritizing. So if the user is asking it to do something that does not require a lot of performance, all those other you know horses, as I said earlier, are not going to be engaged, and mm-hmm. you're gonna you're not going to use a lot of power. And then another element of this, which we haven't talked about, is the new screen technology gets down to 24 hertz. So you're only refreshing the screen once every or 24 times per second. That's also going to reduce um, your uh, your battery because historically it's sixty times per second on every Mac. So anyway, I, I'm rambling on, but I I just think that um, because I've got so much email about this battery issue, I feel like people need to understand. I think you're going to be fine. I do. I do too. Uh, I totally do. The other thing that is unique about about this is that Apple can build in particular components to its system on a chip for specific tasks. And so we've seen this before, and Intel yeah. does some of this as well, for video encoding. And so video encoding will be done on a certain part of the chip that is that is optimized for that. Um, the M1 Pro and the M1 Max have dedicated video rendering, like before. The M1 Max has uh, more components set aside for that. But they've added ProRes yeah. Support, which that sounds familiar, it should because we just talked about it with the iPhones. It's a, a video codec that Apple uh, has backed for a long time. It's in Final Cut, and it's what the Afterburner card in the Mac Pro is for. Uh, so we spoke about that in 2019 when this machine got introduced, and we were there in the room, and it was amazing. And you could buy an Afterburner card for like a thousand dollars, and its job was to make your Mac Pro render ProRes off the CPU and they have basically built this in and they said in the announcement that the M1 Max can play back more 4K and 8K than a 28 core Mac Pro with an afterburner card in it which is like a $10,000 machine that's not a use case most people have but it's wild to think about yeah I mean a couple of observations there is the afterburner card now is baked into the processor if you buy an M1 Max. And yep. the second thing <laughs> is when they talked about uh, this this beating a Mac Pro, I thought of my dear friend Steven and my heart just sank. <laughs> That's like Fine. the moment where right the there. M1 just, just passed you up right there. That's okay. Uh, you okay? 
Uh, it was okay, inevitable. Soon. I didn't think it was going to happen yeah. with a laptop, but you know, here we are. Um, <laughs> Hurts a little bit, right? Yeah. The last thing I want to touch on in the system modded chip section here is I think it's super cool that you can have either one of these in either laptop. So you can outfit the 14 inch with an M1 Max, or you can get the M1 Pro in the 16 inch. And you can spec them to be identical except for the size. And yeah. That's not something we've always had in MacBook Pros. You know, in the last several years, the low end would be like i5, i7. You could do an i7 or an i9 and the big one. But now, because Apple's controlling the whole thing, they give you the flexibility to do that. And so if you just want like a, a totally, you know, cranked to 11, 14 inch, you can. Or if you want a 16 inch, that's just the base model. You can do that too. And uh, I like that flexibility. I think a lot of people are going to find that attractive when shopping for one of these. And I think it's another thing that they can do because they're in charge of all this now. Yeah, we just had this conversation about the iPhones. You know, we we want to be able to choose size for the sake of size. You know, do you want the big one or the little one? And whichever one you pick, you can get the same feature set, whether it's camera lenses or graphics cores. And, uh, you know, this is to me, Apple clicking on all cylinders. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by Capital One. Have you ever hit a technical glitch while shopping online? Maybe filling out extensive payment fields was enough to give you a headache, or your mobile banking app was down when you really needed it. Capital One believes everyone deserves better banking. That means easier access to their money and more security. And that's why Capital One is investing in machine learning. Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud with random forests, make models that quickly detect suspicious activity, and make it faster to alert federal investigators. And they can identify how mobile app outages happen with casual models because they use anomaly detection and incident responses to help determine why app outages happen so engineers can quickly remedy them. Capital One also speeds up online shopping with machine learning at the edge, which makes shopping with a virtual card number smoother and more secure. The technology is based on logistic regression models and running interference in the browser. It identifies payment fields, which helps make using virtual card numbers easier and faster. I love that we can use technology to make banking smarter, better, and safer, and that's exactly what Capital One is doing. The potential of machine learning here is enormous. So see how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking at CapitalOne.com slash ML. That's CapitalOne.com slash ML. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Our thanks to Capital One for their support of the show and Relay FM. Okay, Stephen, the touch bar. Are you sad that it's gone? I know you kind of, you found peace with it at some point. I did. You know, I really sort of just came to accept the touch bar. And uh, one big reason, of course, was better touch tool, a utility we've talked a lot about on Mac Power users over the years. I'm not shocked it's gone, but I'm a little surprised. I mean, it's such a backtrack. Everything about this machine as we talk through this, there's so much rolling back of what they did in 2016 with that line of machines. I kind of figured, well, maybe it'll be an option like before the event. I was like, in my mind, 
they get rid of it, maybe you can add it on. If you really want it, you can pay the 200 bucks or whatever and you get it. But it's totally gone from both sizes and it's replaced with function keys that look just like the external magic keyboard with little uh, images on them for screen brightness and expose and media transport controls and all of that stuff. So it is a very traditional Mac keyboard again. I would love to know what happened, man. Like out of out of everything at Apple in the last 10 years, you know, like what story do I want to hear the most? I don't think it's the top of my list, but it's in the top three of yeah. what happened with the touch bar. You know, Jason Snell has talked about this on Upgrade. And I, I buy into his theory that the hardware people were really amped about it. And then the software people maybe weren't. And it really felt like abandonware because Apple just didn't do much with it. Right? They just didn't do, yeah. just didn't evolve it. It didn't add things to it in macOS. It's been around for five years. I mean, it came out, these machines came out in the fall of 2016. And, and now it's just, now it's just gone. I would just, I'd love to know. I would love to know what happened. Yeah. I feel like, they really never iterated once on it. Like I thought when they first released it, that the next iteration would have force touch, you know, where when you, you you put your finger up there, you could feel your hand going over buttons. You know how they do that with the mouse pad and a bunch of other stuff, but they didn't do that. And, um, like you, I feel like there might've been something there. I certainly like the way I have it with custom buttons and features, and I'll never get custom buttons up there again. Mm-hmm. but nerds hate it. I mean, I, I wrote in my blog post about this, that I had kind of found peace with it. And I got a bunch of people writing me like, I can't believe you ever like that. You know, it's like, what is wrong with you kind of email? And, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's okay guys, you know, but it's, it's over now it's gone. And so yeah. be it. And, you know, the, but you know, you can remap those keys, but the images won't change and, you know, just make it work for you. Just get a little label maker and, Pretend. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Little label maker. That's it. Uh huh. Yeah. Just stick just, them on. It's there. just really interesting. Just stick them on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The keyboard itself is, you know, it's the magic keyboard that they introduced with the 16 inch and has made its way out to the other MacBook Pros. You know, there's no return of the butterfly keyboard or anything. Yeah. It wouldn't be hilarious to say, oh, we finally fixed the butterfly. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> we got it this time. Fourth generation butterfly. We nailed it. Uh, there'd be riots in the street. <laughs> You know what I really like, though, is the way they lay it in what they call the keyboard tray, or what do they call that? The The, well. The keyboard well. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, the well that the keys fit into is all anodized black now. It looks really cool. It looks so cool. Yeah. It looks really cool. But you know what I got thinking then was like, well, if you could anodize the well black, why can't you anodize the entire MacBook black? I I mean, I think that would look so good. The color, it's just silver and space gray. You know, I wasn't expecting orange, right? Like, or blue. I think that's going to be maybe a MacBook Air thing, if anything. But like, Can we go just, down that rabbit hole for a second, though? Can please. I just, let's, please. You've raised it, so let's just go there. Why not? Why do pros have to have space gray or silver? Why can't we have more colors? Yeah, because Apple thinks pro people are boring. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I've quoted it before. and Like, I don't mean to pick on the guy, but... When they were introducing the Mac Mini, it was like, it's space gray because we know pros are going to love that. It's like, that doesn't mean anything, right? Like, and then yeah, you made your Mac Pro I silver agree. and chrome. But I don't know. Maybe, I mean, the rumors were that these 
were going to be around in the summer, right? And now we're in October and they're just out. It's like maybe they come from like a previous color scheme and maybe it will have uh, more flexibility in the future. Or maybe they just I think pros are boring computers. I, I feel like those iMac colors were picked like a year and a half or two years ago. I feel like yeah. if they wanted to, they could have made these colorful too. And I, I don't know why. I mean, I feel like they do obviously know how to sell multiple colors of the same computer. You can do that now in the, I guess maybe it's volume. Maybe they sell so many iMacs and MacBook Airs that it makes more sense to do it that way. Yeah. And they maybe. don't sell enough of these. But man, if they had an orange one, I would, or even a blue one, I would have been like so, so on that. But anyway, I, I do wish that they would would add colors to these pro computers. Yeah. All right. I will stop whining about that. I, okay. I don't know that that's ever going to change, but it, it, yeah, but the keyboard does look cool. And, and the fact that they now know how to make them colorful, like you've seen how good they've got at it with this new IMAX. It's like, it's almost like salt in the wound. Yeah. I was in the Apple store last week. Uh, I bought my wife an Apple watch and it was ready for pickup on day one. So I went and picked it up. And they had a table full of colorful iMacs and then one sad silver 27 inch Intel iMac. I was like, you look so sad. Like, I just wanted to hug it. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> you're so sad. Uh, but you know what? I think when they get around to the M1 Pro iMac, there's a very good chance you're going to get silver or space gray, you know? Yeah, probably. So let's, let's talk about what's above the keyboard. Let's talk about the displays because this is a really. Uh, it's a really big step forward and one that I figured they would make, but I was a little surprised it was now. I thought maybe it'd be a little bit further out. So what what do they add here? Yeah, so the screens are now mini LED, uh, which is the same technology used in the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Uh, million to one contrast ratio, 1,000 nits sustained, 1,600 nits peak. I mean, this... I feel like this whole story with these displays is the, it's the big story. I mean, in addition to the chips, the display is the other big story. And I don't think that everybody has that sunk in for everybody because not only is it a more beautiful, brighter display, better color representation, uh, it's now fully two times native, which means that there are double the number of pixels as displayed on the screen. Exactly. So that wasn't the case in the recent iterations of the MacBook Pro. So your text would be just a little fuzzy if you looked at it. I mean, you had, once you understood how it worked, you would notice it. But if you didn't understand it, you wouldn't yeah. notice it. But now it's going to be super crisp and sharp. And to top it all off, ProMotion. So it's going to scroll up to 120 times per second. Or it's going to refresh up to 120 times per second, like when you're scrolling or you've got motion on the screen. And then it's going to dial down to as little as 24 times when you don't need it. And all of a sudden, you're going to get a battery life advantage. It's going to look better, but it's going to use less power. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is huge for people who are doing like high-end creative work that you can have with the brightness, true HDR workflows on a laptop. I mean, stuff that was only possible with a Pro Display XDR. And in a lot of ways, uh, this and the iPad display are better than the Pro Display XDR because of the backlighting is using that mini LED technology. So you have many more local dimming zones. And so the areas that are black can be more granular and darker than on the the pro display. 
I think this thing is going to look just incredible. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I don't have an HDR workflow. Uh, I don't even like promotion. So I'll be, I'll be locking mine to 60 Hertz. There's a setting uh, to do that in system yeah. preferences. Yeah. Um, but if this is, you know, if you're in these fields, this unlocks new possibility in a notebook. And if you're not in these fields, you just get a really dang good looking MacBook Pro to watch movies on, right? Like it's going to look amazing. And uh, I think that bringing it to these laptops is is obviously a huge deal. Uh, the 16 inch and the 14 inch are both bigger than the iPad Pro. So these are the biggest mini LED displays they've done. And uh, I think if you haven't seen one of those iPads, they're amazing. Uh, a friend of mine has one. And I, uh, every time I see it, it's like, I just want to like watch something with, you know, deep, dark blacks. And this is going to bring that to to the notebooks for the first time, bring the high refresh rate for the first time to the Mac. So really a big step up in the display department. Yeah. I went, you know, when this came to the iPad, I thought well, that'd be great on the Mac, but they'll never get it into a thin laptop case. You know, it's going to take years for them to figure that out. And it turns out it took them six months. So man, good on Apple for that. I, I really think that if you, if you were paying attention to the chip presentation, but you didn't catch this, the the displays on these things are going to be bonkers. But I would, I have one favor to ask of you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've said that you're going to turn it down to 60 hertz and not take yeah. advantage of, of ProMotion. Mm-hmm. Can we just never talk about that again on this show? Sure. Because you know it I makes it me my mad phone and iPad too, right? Like I, 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 I didn't, I'm not sure what you said. I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> It makes me nauseous. Um, But it's just putting it on, having this feature on the Mac and you turning it off, it it literally, I'm 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 a little angry right now. I'm sorry. I gotta admit. Well, be angry at my brain. So let's just not talk about that. When it comes up, when we get ours, I'll be talking about how great it is. You can just, you know, go to your happy place. Sit quietly. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, So let's talk about something that's going to make no one mad. Uh, The display has a notch. (laughs) Yeah. Camera, camera enclosure housing, I think is what they're calling it. So the webcam is better. It's 1080p. There's not face ID up there, even though it looks, you know, it mimics the the notch on the iPhone. Apple says they did this. So the the bezel can be, I think it's 3.5 millimeters all the way around, except where the camera is. Oh, I want to talk about that. Okay. okay. So as a lawyer, sometimes I have to give bad news to a jury. Mm-hmm. And the trick is always to portray it as good news, yeah. right? And when they said... We're taking the bezel. And if you watch the video, they they shrunk the bezel on the left side of the screen, but they left it big at the top of the screen. And they said, look, we shrunk the bezel. And at the top, we even did it at the top too. And they showed the bezel disappearing from under the notch. And I was like, that was brilliant. You know, whoever came up with that way of presenting it, that this is good news, I you know, my hat's off to you. Yeah. Oh no, it was very, very clever. Yeah, it was very, very intentional. But uh, I, you know, I'm a fanboy. Everybody tells me that, so I guess I am. But I'm not that upset about the notch on the Mac. I'm, I'm really not either. On the phone, it disappeared after just a couple of days, right? Like the new 13s have a smaller notch, and I couldn't tell you that by just looking at it, right? Like I just don't even see it. Uh, I think it's interesting how they're treating it. So uh, I've got a, a link to this Mac Rumors article in the show notes. The the menu bar lives up in the notch. 
So the notch bisects the the menu bar and it will macOS will automatically wrap your menus around it. And there's a couple of screenshots of that. Uh, this is great news for the bartender guy. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you gotta, I mean. you gotta use bartender on this. I think it also explains why we got control center and big Sur. you know, get a bunch of the first party things out of the menu bar. I think that maybe this, maybe they knew this was coming. Um, yeah. And if you use an app in full screen mode, basically it just drops down below the notch. Uh, there's a compatibility mode basically is what Apple's calling it. Uh, so it seems like macOS Monterey obviously was designed with this in mind. And if you use dark mode, it's going to basically disappear into your dark menu bar. I don't use dark mode, but I do use, I tend to use dark wallpapers. And so I think for me, it's going to be, you know, a little bit less. Uh, I would like uh, to see an option to just set the menu bar dark and leave the rest of the system in light mode. Maybe someone will figure that out. You know, there'll be a utility or something to do that. But uh, I'm not that I'm not that worked up about it. I'm I'm really not. Uh, I wish it. I mean, obviously, I wish it had Face ID. Maybe that's coming. Maybe they're doing this in anticipation of being able to do Face ID in the future. But it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I think I almost believe there's a timeline without COVID where these new MacBook Pros came out with Face ID in them already. Yeah, maybe. And I think that maybe it was part of it. Um, former MPU guest Kelly Guimont um, emailed me and she said, this was the first time I thought this was brilliant. She said, this is a reverse Sherlock. You know, we always talk about after the presentation, what software companies got hit by Apple adding a feature. Mm-hmm. Well, the bartender guy was reverse Sherlocked. <laughs> I mean, his software got better because of this but but like you i i just want it to wrap around seamlessly that's all yeah. i want if i have too if i have too many menu bar items i want them to jump to the other side of the notch if i have too many menu items i want that to jump to the other side of the notch yeah. and um and that'll be fine and honestly i i won't care and you know the one of the reasons why we have the notch is the camera got better um i don't think you know that the camera got way better i mean the camera was kind of terrible and now it's okay so that's an improvement right um i'm very curious to see how much the the apple you know image processing can improve that now that we have apple silicon in these in these computers you know give it a better camera and add image processing and see what happens and hopefully we do have a better overall you know video presentation yeah which has been sorely needed right i mean yeah the the webcams but, but and MacBooks have been bad. <laughs> that was another laugh out loud. It's like it's 1080, and that's double what we had before. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's 1080, and that's double what you had before. Yeah. So what does that say about what yeah. you had before? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and there's no center stage. You know, the really cool feature where you can move yeah. around with the wide angle. The yeah. iPad Mini has it. This doesn't. I suspect this may be yeah. another timeline thing, and I would hope that this would get center stage. You know, next time it's updated. But. Yeah. um but all in all, I mean, for everything you look at and touch, this MacBook Pro seems like a huge upgrade. And I think that, especially for people who actually like depend on this for creative work, it just wins all the way around. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Go to MacPaw.app/mpu and make your Mac good as new, and get five percent off today. You should be able to rely on your computer. 
It should be in good enough shape to get you to your goals. It should be fast and organized and make working on it a dream. And that's one of the reasons we make the Mac Power Users, to help you get there. But that's also not always the case. If you're a Mac user, you should use CleanMyMacX from MacPaw, who are diligent Mac developers, many in the Mac community trust. CleanMyMacX is an ideal decluttering app for the Mac. So what does it do? CleanMyMacX includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. It helps you tune up your Mac so it runs at its maximum speed, but it also organizes disk space, showing your large hidden folders. Plus, you can free up tons of space so your Mac never runs into issues with storage. SSDs are expensive. CleanMyMacX can help you keep your SSD down to just the required data and hopefully saving you money. CleanMyMacX also fights Mac-specific malware and adware and protects your computer. CleanMyMacX is notarized by Apple, so you know it's been checked for security by Apple, and it really stands out on design. It makes such a difference when an app is enjoyable to use, so you'll always be discovering new ways to optimize your Mac. I've been using CleanMyMacX for many years, and I find it a useful tool. Anytime I need to do some maintenance on my Mac, I find that the tools I need are right in CleanMyMacX, and I just run them. I was having trouble with a non-cooperative app lately. I went into CleanMyMacX and deleted the app through CleanMyMacX, and then it cleaned up all those supplementary files related to the app, so I had a clean deletion of it. Then I reinstalled the app, and it worked fine afterwards. So CleanMyMacX came to my rescue just a few days ago. Either way, you can get CleanMyMacX today with 5% off at macpaw.app slash mpu. That discount is only valid for two weeks, so go now to macpaw.app slash mpu for 5% off. And our thanks to CleanMyMacX for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Obviously, another big news point here is the inclusion of ports. And I rewatched the video today in preparation for recording. And, you know, they always do like those cool, I guess they're CGI, but uh, intro videos of like computers flying around. And it's like yeah. it was all focused on the ports. Like the first thing you saw was it has more than just Thunderbolt ports. And so down the uh, down the left side you have MagSafe 3, which we will get to. I have some interesting things uh, that I've read about that we can talk about. Uh, two Thunderbolt 4 ports, uh, and then a headphone jack, which belongs on the left side. I know Marco Armand has talked about this as well. Most nice headphones have the cable running up to the to the left cup. And yeah. since 2015 with the MacBook in 2016 when they redid the MacBook Pros, they put the headphone jack on the right side. I guess to even things out, but it was the incorrect side. So it's back on the side it belongs on the left side. Um, on the right side, things are also really interesting. You have HDMI, which is all the way closest to the hinge where it used to be, which I think is where it belongs because if you're hooked to a projector or something, that cable is going to snake away from you. So have that furthest away from the user. And then yeah. one Thunderbolt 4 port and an SD card slot. So we do go from three Thunderbolt port from we do go four. from four Thunderbolt ports to three. I suspect the bandwidth for the fourth one got divvied up between these other ports. But I was just thinking through like what I do with my laptop. And other than the occasional USB A device, and I've basically swapped all my cables for anything I use on a regular basis to USB C, I could get away without any adapters. 
Um, and I think most people, with the exception of USB-A, which was just not in the cards to add back to this computer, I think yeah. most people are going to get by much easier now with this new layout of ports. And the humble pie that must have been served at Apple over this, I can't imagine was uh, delightful to to have. But it was needed, and I think that their users are really going to benefit. And I hope we see some of this trickle down to the MacBook Air and stuff in the future. Yeah, I don't think it's humble pie that we're thinking about, though. I think there was a bloodletting. I, I feel like, you know, <laughs> Apple always, people always want to attribute Apple to a single mindset. And if you've talked to anybody from Apple, you know that everybody that works there has a different opinion about this stuff. And, and you know that, like, like with the butterfly keyboard and with removal of these ports, there was a battle that happened, you know, around 2014 or whenever the design period started for those 2016 max there was a battle and one side won and one side lost but it the victory was temporary you know <laughs> so i i you know for you know i think it was pretty apparent pretty early that a lot of people were upset with the removal of these ports and now the other side has rallied back and and they're back and i uh, that's another one i'd love to hear the story behind but i i do think that i'm sure that there are a lot of people at apple that were never happy about the removal of the ports and, um, and, you know, I kind of adapted to it, so I wasn't really that upset about it, but I don't have to go into conference rooms with HDMI cables every day either. So mm-hmm. I guess it depends, you know, what you're doing, but, but yeah, good news, right? I mean, now you've Definitely. got all these options. So, so let's break them down a little bit. Um, first the, the Thunderbolt ports are Thunderbolt four, you know, which is great, you know, very fast. Wasn't, well, isn't that, um is it 20 is that the 40 megabyte per second data yes. transfer am i yes yeah uh, okay, if so your that, cable in the other end you know whatever's in the other end supports it it's capable up to that oh, which yeah. is someday we're, we're going to do a whole episode on on um on those cables on those USB C cables let's just do a whole episode <laughs> on it uh they also uh have up to 15 watts of power delivery so thunderbolt 4 can power a bunch of devices and it carries display port video out so if you are hooking up to like a uh, a non-Apple display, DisplayPort is very common, and you can run uh, a Thunderbolt to DisplayPort cable or an adapter and get out to that. So they're, they're still as fully versatile as they always have been, uh, but now maybe we won't have to rely on them quite as much. Did you see this part where they had the M1 Pro Max hooked up to three um, separate uh, Pro Display XDRs? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the M1 Pro and the M1 Max both can can drive more external displays than the M1, which is fantastic. I think that was a pretty common complaint of, hey, yeah. I bought a MacBook Air and I can only drive one external. It's like, yeah, that that's kind of a bummer. Uh, they've revised that with uh, with these new versions. Yeah, three 6K monitors. I mean, let's not. We've been making fun of the price long enough, but three 6K monitors. That's nuts, you know. Oh yeah. And then um and then the. The early reports on HDMI is that it's HDMI 2.0, not HDMI 2.1. And yes. the difference there is HDMI 2.0 uh, puts out video at 60 hertz or 60 frames per second, which is all Steven ever needs. So That's right. He's fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about HDMI 2.1. Uh, yeah, but yeah, 2.1 I can, I can gets confirm you up to 120. That, uh, yeah. I, I was told today that uh, the HDMI is 4K 60. Uh, it also supports HDR. So if you but need to pass that out as part of your workflow. You can do that. 
but it does not support, it is not HDMI 2.1, which brings 4K 120 hertz. Uh, that is not here. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, my assumption is it's a bandwidth issue. Maybe it's something they could resolve, you know, down the road. But uh, 4K 60 is uh, what you're going to get out of that HDMI port. And the SD card slot is also back. And I I looked valiantly before we recorded, and I can't get any data as to transfer speeds out of the slot, but I assume it's fairly current, you know? Yeah, I don't it, know. it's SDXC, which is... Um, is that 300? I think that one's 300, isn't it? I think so. Man, trying to, like, read about SD card standards. I mean, you thought USB-C was confusing? Uh, it's It's very complicated. But uh, plenty fast for anything, you know, any any normal human is going to do. Yeah. See, like I said earlier, I don't really need an HDMI, but I that stupid SD card dongle is one that I do use all the time. So I'm going to really like having that where you can just flip it into the computer and not have to worry yes. about that. So that, that that's me a too. win for me. Me too. I mean, when we when we travel, you know, in the before yeah. times and hopefully again, you know, uh, yeah we record audio onto a recorder with an SD card and you know, my big cameras all take SD cards. And so that is an adapter that I use a fair bit, especially when traveling. And so I am psyched to get the SD card slot back. Yeah. I think that will be a 300 megabytes per second transfer okay. rate. Um, but Sweet. we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. Um, nice. Um, yes. Uh, you could even use that for extra storage if you really needed it, I guess. Yeah, I was reminded today that uh, back in the the previous generation of MacBook Pros that had SD card slots, several companies made low-profile ones that would basically sit flush yeah. with the side of the machine. And kind of yeah. like Bartender, you know, this is an opportunity for, you know, 12 South or, you know, whoever. to uh, You know, I'm sure Mac sales, OWC would be on it as well to have you know to develop short sd cards you know it's not as fast as the internal ssd but if you just needed to like have some dumb storage around you know throw in a 512 gigabyte sd card and you you have that just in your computer all the time which is pretty cool yeah you wouldn't want to boot from it uh but you know for storage it would be it would be totally fine and then they also upgraded the headphone jack and um, <laughs> Who I, I thought about you with this because over, you know, on Connected, you keep talking about the, uh, what is it, the audio, what do they call the device, the, the, the DAC. DAC. Digital Isn't audio this converter. a DAC? It's, I mean, there's a DAC inside of the machine because you're getting analog audio out. Uh, what, they've, yeah. what they've done here is uh, they can now drive high impedance headphones. And so really high-end headphones require uh, additional power. And that's where you end up with like a breakout box, like, you know, like a standalone DAC that uh, gives you basically more voltage into the headphones. And now you can do this again, just out of the headphone jack, not something that 99% of people are going to need. But again, if you're a creative professional and you're working at the very highest end, you now have this without the need of, of any external boxes. I think you should tell your co-hosts over there and connected that you, you have been proven right that we have a new DAC, an Apple DAC. I should. I should bring that up tomorrow. They're going to love that. The, the MPU nation will stand behind you. I appreciate saying, that. We're ready. And don't let that Italian guy give you trouble, man. I, I think does. you got. I think you got an argument. Did you pick that this year? Is that one of your picks? Uh, it was in a previous Apple event, I think. Uh, 
too bad. Well, either way, I still think you got your deck. Yeah. Um, all right. Now let's get to the power situation. This was rumored MagSafe three. I didn't want to believe it because I thought, you know, one of two things would happen. Either they just wouldn't give it to us and then I'd be sad or they'd give it to us and then we wouldn't be able to do USB-C charging anymore. Both of those turned out to be false. Yeah, so this is this is super interesting. Uh, the first thing that I absolutely love is that the MagSafe cable is now separate from the adapter. So if you damage your cable, you can replace it for $49 as opposed to purchasing a whole new adapter for, for more. And, you know, in the... That's how it's been in the USB-C world. And the modularity is really nice. Uh, yeah, you're buying two things instead of one, but if one gets damaged or lost, you're not replacing both unnecessarily. And with, with MagSafe before, it was, of course, the adapter and cable was all one part. So if that thing got frayed or messed up or you know you had to replace the whole thing. So I like the modularity and I like that you can use, like I have a 96-watt USB-C power adapter plugged in at my desk that I bought with a MacBook Pro, and I can use that same brick. So I bought just a spare MagSafe cable to have at my desk, and I think that's really cool. I did not expect them. I kind of figured they may go back to the all-in-one design, but this is better. Uh, It can also cut down on e-waste because you're just buying what you need, and uh, I I think it's great. Yeah, and also, well, first of all, I want to put an exclamation point on that. So you can have multiple... MagSafe connectors in your house or office. Just get an extra cable, and you can MagSafe in and out no matter where you know your workspace is. Yep. Um, but also, you can still charge via USB C. So, like, if you need to charge it from the right side, and the MagSafe is on the left side, you can still plug a USB C cable into the left side or the right side, and you're good to go. Because being able to charge either side was really a nice benefit of USB C. I thought. Um, so you know, best of both worlds. You know, I think it's great. Yeah, I am. Um, my my uh, setup will be attached to my fancy uh, Apple display, which gives it power. So I'll be, you know, largely using the USB-C for power. And then I'll just keep the mag safe in my bag if I ever go out and I need to bring a bring charging with me. But we're going to talk about what we ordered later. Yes. Uh, the other cool thing about about MagSafe is that you can do fast charging with it. So it's uh, charging like up to half the battery in just a few minutes. And that requires the uh, either 140 watt adapter, which like, boy, that's a big adapter, uh, that for the 16 inch or for the, uh, the 14 inch, the 96 watt. And again, if you have a previous one, like already own a 96 watt adapter, it's just here at my desk, then I can fast charge with that over MagSafe. And so they're able to pump more power through that I think the only possible gotcha with this is, uh, and it was true before, say you have the LG 5K or you have even the the ProDisplay XDR, you could be in a situation where that doesn't supply enough power for the notebook and the notebook is still slowly discharged uh, while using the display. And some people ran into that when the 16-inch Intel MacBook Pro came out because it required that 96-watt adapter. I think it was the first one that did. And so yeah. just keep an eye on that. Uh, and, you know, you may end up in a situation where you still have to run MagSafe, <laughs> but even two cables isn't okay. bad. Yeah. All right. Good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. I don't think that situation is any worse than it is now, except maybe on if you're going – if you 
like had a 13 now you're going to a 16 just just keep an eye on it keep that in mind i don't for i don't think it's like a big problem but uh if it is for you and your particular setup max you can use max safe and it will be totally fine well i mean the 16 inch macbook pro comes with a 140 watt power adapter <laughs> which ridiculous <laughs> i have they ever sold one that big i think this is a record right i mean uh yeah i mean for a for a notebook i'm almost positive that it is and if you look at a picture yeah. of it it's like the size of what that old airport express that plugged into the wall it's huge <laughs> oh <my> gosh <laughs> all right well whatever we we talked about the webcam it's it's a double the size of the old one isn't that Ooh, great um, and then and then and then they also every time they get up they talk about better speakers and better microphone and i just think there's a team at apple that does that and they continue to get better at it and uh the the way i've noticed that recently is with my m1 macbook i do a lot of dictation and i don't use a microphone for it anymore i just talk to the ambient microphones they always call it studio quality, and I can tell you, dear listener, Stephen and I will never give you a Mac Power Users episode with the studio quality microphones Mm-mm. in our Macs. But, but the um, but for dictation and general stuff, I think they do sound pretty good, and I'm looking forward to hearing the audio. I I am ordering one. We're going to talk about that later, but just kind of, kind of put it in context. I was texting Stephen during the event that I thought, well, if the speakers are that good, because my monitor doesn't have speakers in it, maybe I could just open the laptop and keep it next to the uh, display. And then I would have the laptop display plus the big display. And I did some tests with my M one afterwards. And that is not going to work because my monitor is so, so darn big that it's like, it's out of focus and far away, you know, to see my laptop screen. And it looks so tiny. I sent you a picture and it looks like, it's like, it's crazy how small it looks. So um, (laughs) I don't think I'll be doing that, but Better speakers, right? I guess we'll hear it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's totally a group of people at Apple who work on this and who are just super into it. And, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they just end up with the laptop on their desk, right? And yeah, that's the only speakers they have. Like, I have these big external speakers on my desk because I have a Mac Pro and the speaker inside of it is hilariously bad. Uh and even when I ran a MacBook Pro with my main setup, I still had external speakers because I do audio work for a living. But most people don't have that, right? Most people just have the laptop and what comes in it. And so Apple making this better is is great. And if the M1 iMac is any indication about how this six-speaker design sounds, these laptops are going to sound incredible because that that colorful iMac sounds really good. I don't know if I'm going to regret this or not, but I want to crowdsource something to the audience. I am. Um, the speakers I have are, um, I think they're called focus mate. I reviewed them at Max Sparky in like 2008 and they sent me a review unit and I liked it so much that I, I wrote them back and said, okay, how much do I have to send you to keep them? So I bought them <laughs> the, uh, but I'd like something nice, but lower profile. These things are huge on my desk. I want to get, something that I don't have to see so much. So if anybody's out there and they've done the research on decent speakers that are not huge on my desk, let me know. Yeah. Let me oh, know I've, on Twitter. I, I don't found send me an email. Just let me know. 2009. Oh, two, oh, I was close. You right? were close. Yeah. yeah. You know, it has an iPhone dock so, in one of them. That's yes, wild. it does. It has a 30 pin <laughs> connector. Yeah. Hey, I use old speakers I too. I'm using, uh, I'm using sound sticks. Remember those? Uh, oh, yeah, the plastic ones, right? Uh-huh. The clear ones. 
My right yeah. one is hot glued together because it got damaged in a move, but I'm still rocking them, baby. Yeah. Well, these actually are fine speakers and I should probably just stick with them. They've got a subwoofer underneath there. They're way better than I need, but I just, I'm so tired of looking at the damn things. You know, they're big, but yeah. anyway. Okay. So hit us up in the, in the forums of what, what. Yeah, forums. Good. Put it in the thread for this show. Don't send me an email on it, but the, yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys are using. Uh, uh, a couple things that stood out to me about kind of looking at this in the macro level, you know, Apple is now made this progress where their own silicon is driving everything. And and one of the things that stood out to me was the, um, the segment with uh, Johnny Saruji where he was talking about the chips and they had like a graphic representation of the M one, the M one pro and the M one max. And you could see how much bigger they're getting, but in all of these events, the MacBook pro and the MacBook are now all driven largely by a single system on a chip. Now that's different. I mean, historically, a MacBook Pro would have a graphics card and it would have, you know, an input output chip. And there, there, there'd be a lot of these pieces that were segregated off the main processor. And, and, you know, there was a lot of intricate work done on the board to make everything work together and share data. Whereas now it's all integrated. And, um, you could look at that two ways. You could say, well, it's all integrated. If anything breaks, the whole thing breaks. But then you look at it and you think about the iPad. I was just talking to a friend recently who has an iPad 2 that his wife uses every day. She loves it. That's her computer. I said, you should buy her a new iPad. They're $329. And, you know, that one is ancient. I don't know. How old is an iPad 2 at this point? Is it like nine 20, years? 2011? Yeah, it's a long yeah, time. Yeah, 10 years. And he says, well, why would we? And she was on the phone with us. It was a friend of mine and the wife was on the speaker. She's like, but I like this one. It's fine. It does everything I need. Why would I want to spend $300? And it's a 10-year-old iPad with an Apple system on a chip that still works fine. And it got me thinking, I think there's a reliability benefit to this whole Apple Silicon move that people haven't really thought about yet. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. I mean, Apple's been on this road for a while. You get rid of spinning hard drives and optical disks and <laughs> that sort of stuff. And machines become more reliable. And even in the Intel era, more and more was ending up on the logic board itself. Like the RAM was part of the logic board. The storage is right on the board. But now it's all in the system on a chip itself. And while they've done that, while they've simplified the internals of the machine, I think Apple's also just gotten better at building computers, right? Where you have less weird quality issues. They're all made of aluminum. Like this thing is not going to bend and flex, right? Like the old plastic MacBooks did, you know, a hundred years ago. And, and I, yeah. I think that we really are in an era where you can get a decade out of a Mac pretty easily. You know, if you take care of it and you end up in a situation then where, Mac OS doesn't support it anymore. And then you're three years out and not getting software updates, right? The software leaves you behind before the hardware will let you down. And yes, I think that's great. And it means that, yeah, these machines are really expensive, but if you're looking to keep it at five, seven, eight years, uh, that makes it more tolerable. I think, I mean, it's going to take years to prove this hypothesis, but I think this Apple Silicon is going to be, uh, I think it's going to last a long time. And I think you're right. Just like with that iPad 2, uh, um, she's not getting software updates for that anymore, but she still gets to do her surfing and her mail or whatever she's doing with it, and she's fine. 
But um, and people like you and me are not going to wait ten years to buy a new computer. But um, I think that Macs are. I think this is going to prove to make Macs uh, longer lasting, at least the hardware. I think so too, and and not only from a reliability standpoint, although I think that's spot on, but just from a usability standpoint, right? One thing we talk about with the iPhone is no one needs an A15 system on a chip in an iPhone, right? The the reason it's there in large part is so that in five or six years, this iPhone 13 in my hand is still a totally legitimate smartphone. And, yeah. you know, most people don't even need an M1. You know, most people don't need an i5 or an i7. Like the computers have gotten so powerful you get really long runway out of them, and that's even going to be uh, true like even more and more as we move more into the Apple Silicon world. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, I, this is pure speculation on my part, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing macOS support machines longer than we do now. And Apple's already pretty good at that. You know, it's every two or three years that they'll adjust the system requirements, and sometimes it's confusing as to what got cut until you like really dig into the details. But I'm hopeful that, you know, Mac OS 12, you know, that's coming out uh, in a week on these M1 pros, you know, uh, the new OS on the new machine, these machines will be able to run, you know, Mac OS 18 or 19, you know, five, six, seven years yeah. of Mac OS support. I think Apple needs to readjust that to, really give these machines longer life out in the world because once you're on a non-supported OS, you know, it's kind of the wild west and you're going to start running into apps moving on, you know, not not supporting your yeah. system and that sort of thing. So, I would like Apple to address this from the software perspective so these machines can really remain relevant longer than ever. Yeah, and I really think now they control the whole widget, it's on them to do that. You know, they they're making the chip now. So, there's really no reason not to try and make them last longer. Give them more software support because I think the hardware support is going to be there. Last thing, did you see where the Intel guy said that he thinks he can win back Apple's business? <laughs> the new, I actually generally like Intel's new CEO. He was an engineer yeah. there. He left the company. Now he's back. But he is, he is uh, incorrect about that ability of Intel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The train has not only left the station, it's in another country. It is not coming back. Yeah, and then like they tore down the station years later. I mean, it's, it's not coming back. Yeah. Um, and if I were in charge of Intel, I'm not sure winning Apple back would be on my list of things to do, but what can you do? This episode of MPU is made possible by our friends at Shopify. Shopify is tirelessly reinventing tools for growth. For over 1.7 million businesses helping them succeed every day. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. In my previous career working at a web agency, we built quite a few stores on top of Shopify, and their tools are amazing to work with. We could set something up really easily, make it look great, and then the customer could go and run their business online. Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses from first sale to full scale. 
reaching customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. Shopify is more than a store. It lets you connect with your customers, drive sales, and manage your day-to-day. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success. Go to shopify.com slash MPU, that's all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. So grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash MPU, that's shopify.com slash MPU, and remember, it's all lowercase. Our thanks to Shopify for their support of the show and Relay FM. Okay, Stephen, it's time to fess up. Time to fess up, man. What'd you buy? Uh, I bought a MacBook Pro. I know that seems surprising. <laughs> okay. I thought uh, you did. Yeah. You know, I didn't use the MacBook Pro event to buy a Mac Mini. Uh, yeah, so I did a 14-inch. I strongly believe 14 inches is a great size of laptop. Apple used to make 14-inch laptops back in the day, and the, it was a great size, so I'm really excited about the size. Uh, I did it in space gray. So I've talked about this with my phones. I tend to kind of bounce around the colors with the phones so things feel new. So I did space gray this time because I've done silver the last couple of times. As far as specs, I did the M1 Pro with the 10-core CPU, 16-core GPU. So just kind of the plain Jane M1 Pro. That's still going to be amazing for my workload on a laptop. My my main production machine is my desktop. Um, I, did thir- I did do 32 gigabytes of unified memory really just for the longevity and like resale angle. I think 16 is fine for my needs, but you know, 30, 32 is going to be fun too. Um, and I did two terabytes SSD storage. Uh, I have a one terabyte now in my notebook and I got a, a fair bit of free space, but I've just kind of realized that I want my entire photo library on my laptop instead of just the, you know, iCloud synced thumbnails thing. And so that'll give me enough space to do that. So uh, 14 inch M1 Pro, 32 gigabytes of memory, two terabyte SSD. And it's coming on launch day on uh, Tuesday, the 25th or 26th, whatever that Tuesday is. Now, did you consider the Max at any point, the M1 Max? No, um, I, I just, I don't have that sort of need on a notebook. You know, it's my secondary machine and the most I do with it is some podcast editing. And even this is extreme overkill for that. And so I didn't really consider it. Now, when it's time to do a desktop in the future, I will probably just push all the buttons in the order checkout. But uh, for this, the M1 Pro is going to be more than adequate for my needs. Yeah. So if you had been plugging this into your screen and you didn't own your your Mac Pro, do you think you would have got the Max? Yes. If it was my primary work machine, I would have. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's not. So I feel like I can, I can get away with that. All right. So I, I went in, um, this was something I've been thinking a lot about as it keeps coming up on the shows. Like what is my setup as we move into the Apple Silicon world? I bought both a M one laptop and an M one Mac mini, and I've had the Mac mini connected to my monitor and I've had, uh, you know, my laptop that I carry around and I, I decided, um, going into the event before the event happened because i you know we didn't get mac minis by the way we thought no you know, we might get m1 pro mac minis we didn't get them 
But I thought even if they release one, I don't think I want one. If I'm going to have a, a really powerful machine, I want it to be more mobile. Um, like when I do screencasting with the way my house is set up, sometimes I have to go away from my studio because it's in the center of the house. So if I want to go up into one of the bedrooms and record for a while, I want to have like my production machine more mobile, even just within the house. And I really like the the 13-inch uh, M1 just for getting around. And so I thought my setup will be a powerful laptop connected to my big monitor where it's largely connected to the monitor, but also gives me the ability to take it around. And then I'm going to keep an M1 laptop as kind of like going to Starbucks, going to Disneyland kind of machine. Because I knew this thing was going to be expensive and I didn't want to bring, you know, you know, an expensive, real expensive Mac, you know, around with me, except for real deliberate reasons. So that was kind of my setup. So I went in to Apple a couple nights before the announcement and I sold my Mac mini. I, I cleared it off and uh, got a bunch of money back for it, which was good. We had an old iMac in the house that the kids had stopped using because, you know, of college and whatnot. So I brought that in and a couple phones. And so we had some, we had some Apple gear and I just went into Apple. I said, how much for all this stuff? And ended up being like $2,000 worth of gift cards, which was, you know, really nice. And so I got these gift cards from Apple, came home and I watched the event and I ordered a 16 inch uh, M1 Pro. Even though this is my main production machine, I feel like the Pro is plenty for me. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, honestly, as I said earlier in the show, the M1 alone, I have, I produced the entire Devon Think Field Guide on an M1. Uh, Daisy and I are making 4K videos at Disneyland on an M1. All the stuff I'm doing now is good enough on an M1, but I really wanted a bigger screen. As you get older, you do appreciate bigger screens. And um, the the screencasting on a 13-inch screen is really hard, you know? So the times that I'm doing screencasting not connected to my monitor is almost unbearable. So I, I thought it's a priority for me to get a big screen. And frankly, this, this 120 hertz ProMotion thing is so damn sexy to me. I want that screen, you know? Um, so, so it was clear that I was going to buy one. I'd already sold stuff before, right? So I bought the 16-inch M1 Pro, the standard config, you know, I didn't up it to 24 graphics. It's 16 graphics cores, 10 processors that, you know, just the full rig. And I did up the memory to 32 gigabytes. I always believe that Ram is an upgrade that you should think about because I run a lot of apps at once. And the more Ram you have, just the better the experiences, if you can afford it up the Ram. And with the new max, you only get one shot at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's right? on the die. It's all you can, you're not getting in there. Yeah. So I got the max. If there had been 64, I probably would not have bought it. I mean, there is 64 with the M1 max, but I wasn't buying that chip. Um, I think 32 is enough, but um, I didn't want 16. I wanted more than that. So I got 32. The next one is the controversial decision. And I think I made this partly because I had these gift cards burning a hole in my pocket, <laughs> but I, uh, I upped this, the storage to four terabytes, which was an expensive upgrade. I think it was like an extra thousand dollars. Um, um, but I, uh, this is a problem I routinely run into. My current system has two terabytes and just with all the assets I have for the field guides and the stuff I do, I'm just always near that limit. And routinely I have to like shuffle things off the main drive in order to keep working. And 
I could continue to do that and save myself $1,000 or I could pay $1,000 and never have that problem again, at least in the immediate future, right? And I decide this is a problem I want to throw money at. So I bought the the higher capacity drive. And this probably is the end of the line for me. I, I don't see myself, if I don't need the the top of the line MacBook Pro, why on earth would I need whatever the Mac Pro turns into, you know? I mean... If if we're speculating the Mac Pro is going to have 64 video cores, that is not a computer that I need, right? So I, I just look at this as probably like the last Mac I'm going to buy for a while, and it's going to be at my desk, so I'll get enough storage that I don't regret it later. So that that's my purchase. 16-inch M1, 16-core, 32 gigabytes, and 4-terabyte SSD. Very nice. I think it's going to treat you really well, and I think you're going to like your setup being uh this being your main machine only you know yeah and i have this ridiculous monitor that's gorgeous and i'm gonna have this computer underneath it and um man i'm gonna be just cooking with gas here yeah it's gonna be sweet (sighs) all right so exciting i have one more story can i tell one more story though oh oh yes i'm sorry yes because i lived in i lived this with you in real time so please please tell us what happened Okay, so I was very excited. Uh, if it hasn't come through yet, this whole Apple Silicon transition has been super exciting for me as a nerd, and I love what Apple's doing. And as soon as Tim Cook came back on screen during the presentation, I immediately went over to the Apple Store website and started refreshing. I wanted to buy one. I knew what I wanted. I mean, I I, I never really thought the Max was a computer for me. Not only did I think it was going to cost more than I wanted to spend, but it's like, it's just... So my videos already process fast. Now they're going to process twice as fast. I don't need them to process four times as fast. It's good, you know? And I also do think, you know, that whatever, the the, the M1 Pro is enough for me. So I knew exactly what I wanted. I'd already kind of thought through the four terabyte thing. I'm looking at the prices. And I know you pay extra to Apple and all that, but so be it. So I knew what I wanted. And I started refreshing the store. So I get in immediately. And I start going through the buying process and I get to the end and I'm like, where's the part where I put these gift cards in? You know, you, when you, when you sell something to Apple that you're not trading in for new hardware, they give you a little gift card and it's got a code on it and all the stuff that you need. And it's usually at the checkout window. Cause I've done this before where I sold something that I kept, like I'm going to sell my Apple watch after I get my new one. And I'm going to keep that card around until we buy something. And it just never showed up. There was never the little box that says, I have a gift card. And I kept checking boxes, thinking, well, we'll be in the next screen. And then it ultimately said, congratulations, you just bought a new MacBook Pro. <laughs> <You know>? and, <laughs> uh, and I'm looking at $2,000 worth of gift cards on my desk thinking, huh, you know, I don't think I'm going to be spending a lot of money with Apple for a while now. Yeah, I, I would really like to use these on this purchase. <laughs> you know? So, so I... um. I did some research online and I couldn't find a way to do it. And then I went to the, the online live help, you know, where they've got someone that chats with you. And because, you know, this, the clock is ticking the whole time, right? They just, everybody is now hitting their servers, buying these computers. And I had already ordered mine. And I had like a launch day delivery. I was, I was good, you know? And, um, and the lady on the chat says, finally, you know what? I can't do, I can't take cards through this system for you. So there's no way I can help you. You need to call, you know, the app, you know, 1-800-4-MY-APPLE or whatever the number. Is. So I, I call the number and of course that's getting hammered. And I eventually get through to a guy 
And he wasn't the most helpful of Apple support people. Let's just put it that way. He just wasn't that interested in my problem. And he's like, okay, give me the number. And I give him the code off the card. And he says, oh, that doesn't work. That, that card is invalid. And I'm like, I just got this card two nights ago and I sold my beloved M1 Mac mini. Please tell me it's not invalid. And he's like, uh, it's just not working. I think that they gave you a bad card. You have to go back to the Apple store. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, you know, right. I mean, I bought the computer from the online store and I know from dealing with Apple online and in-store are very different systems. It's not like combined, right? So I'm thinking, I'm going to go in the Apple store, and they're going to tell me the card's fine and the problem is online, you know? But either way, I'm like, okay, well, I guess my afternoon's shot. So I, you know, put on my shoes. I'm getting ready to go out the door. I'm like, let me try one more time. So I call and get a different person. And uh, she was way more helpful. And she's like, no, I don't think it's the card is bad, but the system isn't accepting it. And I'm not sure why it always accepts it. Because apparently they do have the ability, after you place an order, to go and post transaction add the gift card to reduce the price she's like i'm doing everything but it's just not recognizing it so let me ask my manager and it, like this went on for like an hour and a half so i steven knows because i was texting him while this was going on and, yeah that's um, so bonkers to me he's like why would they why would they do that you know why would it be turned off why wouldn't they be able to help you quickly and yeah like the whole time you're texting me, like I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I believe that time, that clock is running, right? Like I had the same thought you did. It's like, you are not going to get this on launch day. Yeah, I know. And then she, at one point she's like, well, I think that number looks like it's been used already. And I'm like, good Lord. When I gave it to the guy the first time, did he do something that like registered that it had been used? And now oh. I just lost the value of a Mac mini, you know? And, uh, and I knew the whole time that this would get sorted out. You know I mean? I'm, I'm not somebody who like goes irate on phone support people. Cause I know they're just trying to do their job and, and ultimately Apple would honor it. You know, they would figure it out, but, but exactly. Like I'm thinking, and at one point she says, well, the only problem is if we don't get this applied soon, they're going to charge your card and it'll be too late to use it. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be like a whole different thing. Right. Then I'm going to argue with Apple about letting me use these gift cards on a transaction because they've already charged me, you know? And I was thinking, well, I guess if worse comes to worse, I could return it and then buy another one. And, you know, it's just like, you know, and, and I'm still wondering if the gift cards work at all. And so a couple times I had run uh, new transactions at the Apple store, like I was going to buy another one, mm -hmm. but I never got to the, where you push the button to say, yes, buy it. I just got to the last screen where the payment details were. And it still didn't have the gift card thing there. And then I would run it like I was buying an iPad and the gift card thing would be there, like the the button you push to put the gift cards in. So I'd done this three or four times while I'm on the phone with this person. And um, and I said, I wonder if like there's something wrong with the website where they just don't have it turned on to accept gift cards for these new MacBook Pros. I said, is it possible they won't accept them because it's a new computer? And she's like, well, I've never seen them do that, but maybe. And then I got thinking, are you kidding me? They took my hardware and gave me these gift cards they're not going to let me use it for a new mac you know <laughs> and i'm like no that that can't be apple they're, they're not that dumb you know and then i ran it like the fourth time through to buy it again and i got to the payment screen and the gift card button was there this was like probably two and a half hours after the initial purchase and i think what happened was just that when the store went down somebody didn't check a box to let you use gift cards for the purchase of these Macs. And at some point in the first couple hours, they realized it and went in and fixed it because it magically appeared. 
And it took all my gift cards. I got my $2,000 off my machine. So I don't have to mortgage, you know, the house or sell a lung to, to get this new MacBook. And, um, my, my delivery date now is like two or three weeks later than it would have been. Mm. You know, that was the downside, right? Because I had to do a new transaction and by then the ship dates had slipped and my day one purchase was still going to come to me, but I was going to have to pay the whole price for it. And I didn't want to do that. So no. I canceled that order. Yeah. Uh, so for, for people who aren't familiar, so I know about the trade-in where like you go buy a, a new phone and you say, I have this phone and want to trade it in, but you can go through that and just say, send me a gift card instead. Yeah. You just bring it in a store. I mean, because we had this iMac that wasn't getting used anymore, it was like, like a five-year-old iMac, but it was pretty loaded when we bought it. And I got 500 bucks for that. And, um, you know, I had a couple things to sell. And if you go in the store, they'll give you a gift card that you can use in the Apple store, except for the first two hours after they launched new MacBook pros. Hmm. And I sold the, uh, the iMac, I sold the, the M one Mac mini and a couple other things, but it added up to, you know, a lot of money. And that really made, you know, that, that's what I, you know, the, I didn't want this stuff sitting around the house and I know I could have made more money selling them like on eBay or whatever, but I didn't want to deal with it. And especially the iMac, it's like, are you going to ship an iMac? Yeah. I just carried it into the Apple store and, you know, they test it to make sure it's working. And then, then they give you a price and they're like, it's $500 for this iMac. Do you want to sell it? And I'm like, yep. And they take it and they give me a card for the money. So if you've got some old Apple stuff around your house and you don't want to deal with selling it online, that's an option. I should like try to run some really old stuff through that system. Like take a, yeah, a you, performa in the Apple store. Like how much do you yeah, get for this? And they're like, well, they're not going to do that. We will give you $2 or, um, yeah, you have to <laughs> no, pay no. us for us to take it off your hands. <laughs> what, what they say to that is they're like, Hey, you know, this one's too old, but we will happily recycle it for That's you. Right. I mean, I talked yep. in the last, last feedback show, I had taken my wife's old laptop in and they, there was no money coming back to me for that one. But at least I knew that Apple was going to properly recycle it. And, um, but, but anyway, that's, that's a way if you've got some old gear around your house that that's not super old, you might as well monetize it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm not like, you know, that's where this one part where you and I are different. I don't feel, um, any like, um, emotions towards my old Apple gear. I just like sell it on, let it keep working. Yeah. When I upgrade, that's the new thing. I, I don't have room to store all this stuff. Well, I tend to sell, like, let's talk about phones. I tend to sell phones, you know, friends or family who need a phone. Sometimes I just hand them over, you know, it's like I just gave my mom a yeah. phone the other yeah, like, a couple years ago because she had an iPhone 6 or something. I was like, no, you need, like, it's falling apart. Yeah. But, like, my M1 MacBook Pro, I'll sell, you know, because there's still a lot of value in it. And then I'll deal with trying to find one in 10 years. And so uh, there's nothing in my collection yeah. really that's, you know, super Recent. new. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you know, like I, to buy this new one, uh, I got to sell the M1 MacBook Pro to, to offset it. Right. And I, I would yeah. have done a trade in thing, except that I think I've got it sold locally to somebody. I, you know, a friend of a friend who needs a laptop. And I'm always happy to do that as opposed to trading it in if it works out. I agree with you. I want to stay off eBay. And you know other online things, but um, uh, yeah, I'm not. You know, I, I don't. I, just, I don't have like a an M1 collection going on over here. Not yeah, yet. No, check check and back it, in. <laughs> and I give plenty of them away to like local, you know, family and friends that need them. But in this case, I knew I was going to spend a pile of money on this new MacBook Pro. Yeah, 
And like that, that M1 Mac Mini, I think I paid about $1,500 for it, and they gave me $950 for it. So it cost me $500 to have that for a year. And um, that I felt like I got my money's worth out of it, honestly. Well, uh, I'm glad it worked out. Congratulations. I really want to hear about how this setup goes for you uh, once you get settled into it, you know, here in a, several weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it will be several weeks though. So you can you can report to us your early uh, uh, use of the MacBook Pro. I will be waiting. Although I I did get a note now. They say November fifth through tenth. So maybe maybe I'll get it sooner than I thought. All right, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm/mpu. We want to thank our sponsors this week: One Password, Capital One, Clean My Mac X, and Shopify. We'll see you next time.